Welcome to the Wake Up With Gratitude podcast. I'm your host, Julie Boyer, and I'm so excited to share with you some incredible interviews with wonderful entrepreneurs, business owners, and amazing people in my life that are practicing gratitude, self-love, and living with kindness. I also sprinkle in a few solo episodes, and occasionally you'll see family members join in for the fun as well. On today's podcast, I'm so excited to welcome my good friend, Andrew Fraser. Andrew has been through challenging times before, and he shares how some of the lessons he learned after dealing with a major trauma as a teen has helped guide him through this global pandemic. Andrew's story is a true hero's journey, and having known him for almost 20 years, I've seen a lot of that growth myself. Our interview includes many strategies to deal with the challenges that we are facing today. You may have noticed that I do not interview a lot of men on my podcast. In fact, the last time I shared an interview with another man was back at episode 25 with Russ Barton. That was also one of my very favorite interviews, and Andrew's is much the same. I really encourage you to lean in and listen right to the end of this beautiful podcast interview. Did you know that I actually have an online store? Yep, I sure do. So the name of this podcast is the Wake Up With Gratitude podcast, and I have a website, which is a shop. So you go to wakeupwithgratitude.com, and there I share my passion for landscape photography. So I live on Vancouver Island, one of the most beautiful places in the world, and I'm very blessed to have the opportunity to take photos of the sunrise, many sunsets, and of course, the beautiful forests and lakes and rivers that surround us. So in my shop, I have a set of beautiful gratitude cards that I've created with my images. I sell prints. My book, 30 Days of Gratitude, is also available for sale in the shop. It would mean the world to me if you even just stopped by and took a look at the website because I'd love to share my passion for photography and writing. My blog is also found on this website with you. So if you have a minute to pop by the website, if you haven't done so yet, it would mean a lot. Now, let's get into this absolutely fantastic interview with Andrew Fraser. Hi, everyone. It's Julie Boye here of the Wake Up With Gratitude podcast. I'm really excited to bring you one of my beautiful self-love interviews with a good friend, Andrew Fraser. Welcome, Andrew. Hello. Glad to be here. Oh, I'm so excited that you're here. This is so much fun. So Andrew is... He is a multi-passionate entrepreneur, employee, kind of like me. He does a lot of different things, but in a nutshell, he's a climbing gym director. He's a very talented yoga instructor and teacher. He also is a resistance trainer, which I'm sure he'll share more about. And Andrew and I have known each other for a very long time. We met in 2004 and we worked at a camp in Switzerland. So Andrew is uh, based in, you're in Colorado. Yes. Okay. And I'm now living on the West coast of Canada. So we met in Switzerland, (laughs) working in the mountains at a camp for different kids. And it was a really incredible experience. And we created these really cool bonds with people. And thanks to social media, thanks to Facebook, which was a few years later, we have been able to stay connected and since then we've only seen each other in person once it was we met up randomly at a large event in las vegas and i was like this is amazing i mean i just this beautiful 
person that I get to see in person and hug, which, you know, we all miss hugging so much. <laughs> but uh, it is, I've watched Andrew grow into this incredibly spiritual human being that was always there. And the way I've seen Andrew just help his community and serve others and the way Andrew leads with kindness and gratitude and shows self-love is just, I was very excited to have him on the podcast. So Andrew, I've shared kind of how I know you, but if you wouldn't mind just sharing with everyone a little bit about your story, we'd love to hear it. Thank you. Yeah, uh, honored to be with you, spend the time and to get more face time after uh, so many years apart. Uh, if I were to give a real brief summary of, of my journey, it's been very circular. Um, for those familiar with the, the book, The Alchemist, it, it's akin to that in that I began in Colorado and felt a restlessness and a desire to go uh, circumnavigate the world only to later discover that like the treasure that I was seeking was in my own backyard the whole time. So um, yeah, in, in, in brief summary, grew up in the suburbs of Denver, Colorado, um, had some really impactful life events at an early age that, that prompted a sense of urgency to go out and really get living to explore life. Um, after going to college in a, in a mountain town in, in Colorado, spent the subsequent seven years of my life living, traveling, and working in about 35 different countries of the world. Um, just amassed a bunch of life experience, learned multiple languages, uh, developed a lot of skills and, and passions. And then following that um, chapter of just kind of chasing the next sunrise over the next horizon over and over again. I started to fatigue a little bit and feel a sense of pull back towards home to be closer to my own family for key life events and to establish a sense of community that did not exist when I was always uprooting and moving to the next city every three months. So I made my way back to Denver, Colorado, um, became really rooted in a, a yoga practice, which also became an aspect of my profession and have since found a lot of meaningful ways to, to contribute back to my own community, um, doing everything from teaching fourth grade in inner city public schools to being a skydiving instructor, being a yoga instructor, now currently uh, managing a local indoor climbing gym and a host of other activities. So uh, it's, been, it's been a wild ride and I'm just immensely grateful for what has been and, and for what I do have now. I, it's funny, I wanted to mention when I introduced you about the fact that you do jump out of perfectly good planes on a regular basis. And ever since I've known you, you've always really had that love for extreme sports. But I love what you said about that desire to come back to where you were from, that circular journey of, you know, you left to, to make the most out of life after you went through um, a very traumatic experience. And then you came back and now you found your authentic self. You're really living as your authentic self. I, I noticed that about you so much. There's just no pretense with you. You are who you are. And, you know, this is Andrew and, um, and all the, all the beautiful things that were always there inside you, but they've really, I think the fact that now you have roots in a community have really helped you to just be the person that you always were looking for. Um, you mentioned a little bit, so we're, you know, we're in a very difficult time right now. We're in a time 
of trauma for a lot of people, right? We're living through a pandemic, which we've never lived through before. This will definitely mark our generation. And I want to mention a couple things here. So you lived through the Columbine tragedy. And obviously that had a, a massive effect on the person that you are today and, and your journey. Can you share a little bit about what someone who's been through something so difficult and so tragic, how that might affect the way you're looking at things today? Yeah. Wow. Um, you know, so I was 17 years old when the, the Columbine high school shooting happened in 1999 in Littleton, Colorado. And tragically lost friends, classmates, neighbors, and came out of that with, um, one, just really confronted with my own mortality as a, as a young man, and two, had a, a strong sense of survivor's guilt, which others might relate to in, in times when they were spared from something tragic. And out of that guilt was born a sense of urgency to really like, don't let this life go to waste. Don't just shuffle slowly to my grave, but do something about it. And I think that's what following Columbine kind of catapulted me into the better part of a decade worth of world travel, because I just felt this strong desire to, to go and create and explore and learn and produce. And it also wasn't until returning home from seven years of that, that I realized that um, that restlessness was also kind of a, a salve on a wound that allowed me to, to feel a sense of productivity and meaning in life when what was actually more challenging was sitting still in the wake of such pain. And so I think what I can relate to now is that um, I, <laughs> when friends ask, there are a couple jokes, like I saw a meme that said, um, how are you holding up is the new high. Like we don't just check in and say, hey, how's it going? How's your week? It's like, hey, how are you doing? Are you in good health? And so we're checking in with each other at a different level. Um, but when people ask me how I'm doing, I usually respond these days. I'm like, eh, you know, the pendulum swings back and forth from week to week and sometimes hour to hour between like uh, hopeless optimism and existential dread and despair. <laughs> you just like never know where you're going to get me. And I'm like a pretty... I'm a pretty grounded dude. I have a lot of tools in my kit and still like I'm in the throes of this like everyone else. So what I find is that sometimes my response to stress, anxiety, fear, grief is to try to get really busy and productive to say like, I need to do something about this. I need to be a contribution to the world. I need to go like just pull weeds in my backyard or do something because I feel really powerless over what's happening outside. And um, in so doing, it can be a form of escapism from being with what's so. And I, you know, I think that for many people, arguably, for as much as we always described our lives as busy and like, man, I wish I could just catch a breath or I wish I had some time off. Now that we're in this experience of like the great pause, I think what is scarier than being in the noise and the busyness and the bustling all the time is actually sitting in the stillness and the silence. Like that's actually what is to be unpacked right here. And so again, analogous to my experience post Columbine, I dealt with tragedy, trauma, pain and loss 
by kind of running from it for a long time and always having something else to be excited about, something else to be focused on, something to chase. And it wasn't until returning home after all that, all those years that I sat still really um, embedded myself in this practice of yoga, yoga, mindfulness and meditation that I realized how much there was to dredge up. And so, yes, we're, we're experiencing a collective trauma right now that's triggering us in, in many ways. And it's also serving as a catalyst for looking at our own experience and the, the things that we've been outrunning for so long in our own lives, that this is actually the challenge and the opportunity of sitting still in our own company and seeing if we can be with and fully love the one we're with. And for a lot of people, that is like the scariest aspect of this is give me something to do. Give me a, a, a sports you know, game to watch. Give me an event to go to. Give me something to occupy my mind so that I don't have to sit still with myself because I might not love all that I see. We definitely need to take a breath after that because that is, <laughs> that is, but that's, what, that's exactly what you're saying is we have this time to actually breathe. You know, you do a lot of beautiful breath work in your yoga as well. It's, it's so interesting. As soon as you said that whole keeping busy to, as a form of escapism, to kind of avoid dealing with some of our emotions, I didn't realize that I was doing it. So like you, I've invested a lot of time and effort and financial resources into personal development and personal, personal growth. It's been a big part of my journey for, well, basically since you and I met, because the, when I met you, I had just read The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. That was the first book. It was 2004. I read that just before my trip to Europe. So I've been on this journey for a while and I just, I posted a blog today that I was, I was like, do I write this? Do I share this? I don't know. And the reason I wasn't sure about posting it is because in my blog post, I just share everything I'm just so tired of right now, right? I feel like you sometimes, I'm like, I'm over here, I'm totally optimistic and excited about the future. And on the other side, I'm like, this is really hard and I'm so tired. And I just was like, I'm so tired of, you know, telling my kids she has to be socially distant from her friends. I'm just so tired of wearing a mask to the grocery store. I'm just so tired, tired, tired. And you sharing your experience just made me realize that the reason I was so tired is because I was not, I hadn't stopped since the pandemic was declared. So, so thank you. This has been helpful just for me. <laughs> I don't know if anybody else is getting any benefit, but you just really made me realize the light bulb moment just went off. Wow. I was so tired because I just didn't let myself really feel it. Now you share this beautiful breath work, this yoga you've been doing. Um, tell me a little bit about what you've been doing uh, through uh, Facebook, for example. You've been doing some live sessions. You've been encouraging people to do breath work. Tell me a little bit about what you're doing there. Yeah. So um, as I mentioned, I'm the, I'm the director of a climbing gym. And inside of that gym, we also have a yoga studio. And I've been teaching yoga for about 10 years now. And um, now being online or having the gym offline, I felt a strong need to still remain connected to, to my community um, to offer something to the world 
without just being busied, but to have something meaningful that I, that I hoped would add value and make an impact for people. And so thereby I'm teaching yoga out of my house and just doing free live stream classes every Monday night. Um, listeners are welcome to come and attend from anywhere in the world. It's on my Facebook page. Um, and what's that, what has been born, what that has been born out of is again, through my own experience, a recognition that um, not just trauma, but our life experiences are stored physically in the container of our bodies. So it doesn't matter if you had something traumatic happen at a, at a young age or uh, as a young adult, you could have just had a very stressful day at work. And by uh, and you have the residue of this experience still kind of clinging to you. Like, ah, oh, man, I did like this altercation with a coworker or the way that I embarrassed myself or that I, I wish that board meeting had gone better. Like it kind of feels sticky and we store that in the tension of our jaw and the tightness of our shoulders. And um, most often we'll try to either numb, avoid, escape through the, the coping mechanisms that we've tried and tested. Or in the case of therapy, we go and we talk about it while our bodies sit quiet and still. And what I've learned over the years, not only through my extreme sports pursuits, but through yoga and other modalities, is that there is so much catharsis to be had through physically moving our bodies um, because we, we store these must like these uh, these memories in our cells. And so by giving permission to actually move, it can actually start to change our physical state in the same way that um, fear might cause you to clench your fists, tighten, you know, shallow your breath, tighten your jaw. Conversely, you can use reverse psychology to move your body in certain ways that would then elicit a new emotional or psychological state. So a quick example is that um, animals have been observed to, to self-soothe after a traumatizing event. So you picture a little gazelle that is chased by um, a predator She's running for her life, narrowly escapes. And then after all of that um, adrenaline and cortisol pumping through her body, she'll find a safe place to, to shield and then effectively just shake for many minutes at a time. And it looks like a seizure, this convulsion. And what the animal is actually doing is physically um, resetting the body, moving these, these hormones out so that she can resume her normal life and devote her faculties to, to eating and surviving again. Whereas we humans, you know, I, I run out of a, a building with gunfire blazing and then after I, I try to catch my breath and go, that was really intense. And I sit on a couch and I talk about it for the next five years. There's a lot still in my body that wants to express the fear, the, the intensity of that. And so bringing it back, yoga is one of these ways and breath work accompanying that is a, is a modality that can actually give rise to energy and emotions that we can't always give language to and and can and gives us permission to move the stuff physically out in a way that just verbally articulating it does not necessarily serve the same purpose so my aim is to to be able to provide that to people in a way that they can be in their experience and sometimes just go <laughs> 
Like, what a crazy day. Oh, my God. Yeah. And, and, that, and sometimes this action can be more beneficial and healing than trying to describe it in detail. What an interesting way and perspective to think about yoga practice because there, I mean, it is a sacred practice. Absolutely. And we've kind of often lost to that part of it. And that beautiful part of moving trauma resistance out of our body through uh, the yoga process is super, super important. So it's, it makes me want to join you for your next class. So I have a very, very, small yoga practice that I do. It's very short. I'm not very committed to it. I do it, you know, two or three times a week. And I've, I keep wanting, I keep getting drawn to, to really dig into it in a different way. And, you know, I keep having the best of intentions to do so. And when I think about it in the way that you've described as a way of processing trauma, and I love what you said, it's that fight or flight, right? We're I've talked a lot on my podcast lately about the fact that our cortisol levels are elevated at most times right now. And what is important just because we're all under collective stress. So even though you like, like you and I might be the optimist and things are going well, there's still a collective stress globally that, you know, leads to a rise in cortisol levels sort of for most people that were already, like you said, we were already so busy before. So this idea of using your yoga practice as part of the way to move these hormones through our body uh, is really helpful. So I, I will definitely make a better effort to see if I can join you. You said on Mondays? <laughs> That's correct. Mondays at 5.30 Mountain Time. Okay, so um, and if I could offer just like a, a perspective on this for those who maybe have never tried yoga, who have opinions about it, who are reluctant to do so. I'll be the first to admit, even after a decade of teaching and a long time practicing, I could hardly recite any of the yoga sutras. I don't, I, I don't, I can't identify which Hindu God is responsible for this. I don't know which color chakra shows up my body. So if you're like at all off put by the woo woo nature or uh, theologically conflicted about whether this can fit into your you know, practice, know that I approach yoga or I relate to it from a, a modern day physiological application so which is not to discount its origins um, right. but to say as i do to my students i'm not so interested in whether you can memorize uh, a chance whether you can balance in a headstand or how strong your warrior pose looks this is a practice that is to be applied off of the mat so if you go through 60 minutes of a class and then you flip off the first guy that cuts you off in traffic on your way to work you might be missing an opportunity to have this work in your life. Like yoga is not just the, the poses 60 minutes on a mat. It is a, it's a living, breathing practice in each moment. And so if you talk about the cortisol levels, the stress that we're currently undergoing, there are thousands of opportunities a day to simply take a deeper breath to reset our nervous system to, um, expel some of that cortisol and that alone just a, at a scientific level is good for our longevity that's going to help our digestion that's going to lower our stress levels that's going to boost our immunological responses so regardless of what you believe about the origins of the practice or you know um, how it might apply to your life just know that mindful movement and remembering to breathe intentionally throughout your day can make a fundamental impact in, in shifting your state. 
Absolutely. As I breathe with you, that was perfect. Thank you. I want to share something you wrote on your Facebook wall because I think this is really capturing um, what we're going through right now and your perspective, which I really, I really appreciate because, you know, one of the things that I definitely got caught up with in the beginning was really watching more news than, I mean, I've never, I stopped watching the news like 10 years ago, but when you're in the situation, you feel like the news is important because you feel like it directly relates to you, but truly it actually, most of it doesn't actually specifically relate to me. Now I don't do that anymore, but I love what you wrote because this perspective I think is really helpful and I'd love for you to share a little bit more about it. So it says, uh, it offers us, I guess, to use this as a catalyst for massive transformation in your life and emerge into a new world. Can you kind of expand on that for us? Yeah, for all of the, the challenge that this presents, for the pain that it's causing, the loss that we're enduring, I mean, I do, I do not want to understate the amount of suffering that we're collectively going through as a species. Um, I believe that there is a silver lining. I believe that there's an opportunity. And perhaps in some ways we've been asking for this. And they say, be careful what you wish for because you just might get it mm -hmm. and it might not look the way you thought. So I think what I, what I experience right now, and these are happening both at the level of the individual and the collective, is that we've identified um, sometimes even just unconsciously that there are areas of unworkability in our lives, either inside of our relationship or our self-care um, at the level of individual, our personal happiness, fulfillment, etc. And now we're being given a lot of time and opportunity to really uh, reflect and dissect these aspects and say, do I want to continue on the same path? Or, wow, I didn't even realize until now the impact of uh, being a workaholic dad who's only sees my children five hours a week and now I'm working from home and understanding what it means to be a present father. Like, that's not just going to work itself out overnight. That's going to come first with a lot of, a lot of tension, a lot of um, breakdown in order to then create workability. And then similarly, at the global level, what we're seeing right now is all systems being x-rayed. We're actually like looking through how, how things work, how they were designed, the biases built into them and their vulnerabilities. And everything has been thrown into a pressure cooker. So there's this experience of like collective alchemy taking place right now, because, you know, coming back to the alchemist, if, if you want to create a precious metal, you start with these base elements and then you subject them to a lot of heat and pressure. And so there's this like clashing of elements and there's, you know, pressure and frustration and uh, what feels like a battle that's raging in order to actually burn off impurities. And so a lot of us love the idea of change in our lives, but we don't want to change. <laughs> We're like, I want to be a millionaire, but I just don't want to like, adopt the habits of waking up at 5:30 every morning and you know committing myself to business i want to have this kind of health but i just like i don't want to adopt the habits that would elicit that so again at the level of individual and 
as a community, global community, I think everything has been thrown into this, into this pressure cooker and we're realizing what's working and what's not. And there's likely to be a lot of breakdown and a lot of systems that fundamentally fail in order for us to begin redesigning workability inside of them. In America, that might look like a fundamental shift in how we view our healthcare system um, and a number of other big, big operations that are now being revealed to have a lot of biases and unworkability. And so the unfortunate aspect is you can't just flip a switch and, and suddenly um, start in this new bright future without breaking a lot of the things that are not working. And that is the process of alchemy. That is transformation. And that is like the hero's journey is going into the dragon slayer. And the hero only emerges not when the, just when the dragon is slain, but when some form of death occurs for her, like her own ego death. Like it is, it is an aspect of her former self that has to die in order for her to come out the other side more powerful, more loving, more compassionate, more capable of, of being the one that she wants to be for the world. So I think as scary as this is, as much as we resist it, that's actually what's happening is we've been presented and confronted by the opportunity to burn off everything that is not working in our lives and in our world right now to create something that does. You know, I, I love what you said about, you know, the, what we're going to end up needing to change. One of the things that we've really seen here in Canada is the exposure of our vulnerabilities and the vulnerable populations that were virtually ignored by many of us and how those people that are human beings that we care about as a collective whole are the ones that are suffering the most right now because of their vulnerabilities. And like you said, we can't just flip a switch and make it okay, but it's now we can't ignore it. Like you said, you, in the States, you can no longer ignore the, the failings of the healthcare system. It's just, now it's obvious. And so this is a really interesting and beautiful time for all of us. Uh, Andrew, I, I have loved so many of the things that you've shared with us today. I think you're really giving us um, a way to deal with some of the, the emotions and the trauma that we're feeling and also helping us to understand where we are. I think the hero's journey analysis is just so helpful like to understand you know, that we, just, we don't just go in the fire and come out the same. It's just not the only way out is to change and to shift. So one thing I love to ask my guests is... If you could share one self-love or self-care practice that you recommend we either start or maybe something we stop doing, something that you're doing on a regular basis that we might benefit from, what would that be for you? Oh boy, pick just one, huh? Yep. <laughs> it's the hardest part of the podcast. Yeah. You know, I'm as much as I advocate for, um, for, for movement, for breath work, for these physiological and very somatic practices, which have been so helpful and healing to me over the years, and will continue to, uh, you know, proselytize that during this time in particular, what I would encourage people to do, even if no former practice existed is to start writing. And, and the reason for that is that, um, writing for me is, a, is another cathartic act in that I can, I can just spill whatever is so for me in this moment to this silent confidant. 
and it does, I don't have to, I can suspend any judgment about whether it's right or wrong, what someone else has to think about it, if it's okay to say, it's just, I can, um, I can either wax philosophical about what's happening in the world and what may be, or I can simply acknowledge the fact that like, today was really hard and I cried while doing the dishes. Like, um, because I think what, what then happens is when we start to give language to our experience, so much of which is stored in our bodies, then it, it gives us a sense of permission just to acknowledge what's so. Because a lot, again, coming back to this aspect, a lot of us want to like live into this new vision of life without actually acknowledging the true or reality at present. And so by beginning to write that down, um, not for uh, posterity, not for your great grandchildren to read in your journal, not to put in a time capsule, yeah. but just to write for you now, it gives you access to some of these things that you're feeling um, and full permission to just put it into the world without any expectation of what it means or where it's going or what will happen with it. If you, if you feel uncomfortable by the process, scratch out a couple of words on a post-it note, crumple them up and throw them away. Like if you're worried about someone finding out what's true for you, it can be a practice in impermanence. But I would say, begin to write because even if it's just a daily journal of today was strange because I had to go to the grocery store and there were no eggs again. Like when you look back, you know, for yourself, if you look back on this 10 years ago, you're going to become it. Like what a gift to your future self um, to see what, what is happening in your life right now. Even these things that feel mundane and simple. Anytime I've gone back and read my past journal entries, like, what a gift from the past to be reminded of who I was then and how much I've learned since and how pivotal that moment in my life was as a catalyst for transforming me into who I've now become. So write. Well, that sounds perfect for someone who encourages people to write a gratitude journal. And uh, I do, I encourage people to write with a physical pen on a piece of paper and like you, I have years and years of gratitude journals. And when I look back, what I love is it is a historical record of what I was going through that time. And especially when I have been through different traumas in my life, I still kept writing in my gratitude journal. And sometimes the gratitude isn't pretty, but I would just find the littlest thing just to write down and sometimes I'm grateful that, you know, for the things that aren't working, you know, and you kind of, you can write it in a way that it's just like getting it off your chest, putting it on paper and leaving it, like you said, it actually gets out of your body. So I'm really happy that you mentioned that because I do, I see the benefit like you, I have many, many years of journals and it really does. It helps me to go back and see how I've changed as a person, absolutely, but also how I used the writing to get through the really, really tough times. So, oh, Andrew, there's like five other things I wanted to talk to you about, but in respect for the time of those that are listening or watching, uh, I think we'll wrap things up right now with that great suggestion. Where do we find you? How do we connect with you? Yeah, thank you so much. Um, I am on social media, although my engagement has come and gone in waves as, as, as my mood shifts from wanting to, to be out and connected to the world to then 
retreating and saying, I just want to mow my lawn and think about like what I can control. Um, I can be found on Instagram at the Andrew Fraser, F-R-A-S-E-R. Um, I'm on Facebook, AJ Fraser 81. Um, and again, Facebook is where I'm hosting the free live stream yoga classes every Monday at 5.30 PM mountain time. Um, that's at least for the foreseeable month until my, my climbing gym reopens and I can do so on the mat. Yeah. Awesome. Um, and then I've got a, a, a website called fearfocusfreedom.com uh, because I'm a, a storyteller, a public speaker, and a, a coach slash resistance trainer. So my, my main focus is to help aspiring creatives, entrepreneurs um, to overcome the resistance in their lives and go out to create an impact that is bigger than their inhibition. So fearfocusfreedom.com and any of those other social platforms as well. And you have started a podcast. Oh, that's right. Yes. Uh, also by the same name, Fear, Focus, Freedom. Uh, that, is on, that is on iTunes, Spotify, and a couple of other platforms. So yeah, I have some, uh, some fun conversations with, with big, impactful individuals and talking about the, the, the adversity that they've overcome to, to make a big impact. Amazing. Well, please make sure you tune in, listen to Andrew's podcast, add it to your favorites so that you'll get notified whenever there's any new episodes. Andrew, just a huge thank you from deep inside my heart for this time together. I've really enjoyed seeing you again after such a long time, and I will be seeing you on a yoga class very soon. Thanks so much. Feelings mutual. Thanks, Julie. You did it. You listened to the end of the podcast. Yay. Thanks so much for sticking around. It would mean the world to me if you decided to follow this podcast and download new episodes. Who doesn't want more gratitude when they're listening to their podcast? Has this podcast made a difference for you in your life? Could you do me a little favor? I would love it if you would stop by on your favorite app and just leave me a review. It would mean so much if you would take those 30 to 90 seconds and share with us why this podcast made a difference for you. Don't forget, you can always reach out to me on social media. I can be found through Wake Up With Gratitude, through my website. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. I've even got an account on TikTok when I like to be silly. I love getting your messages through private message. It means so much to me that this podcast has made a difference in your life. Thanks again for listening today.